Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a, a special bonus episode of Uncanny Tracks. We're taking a break from the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus Star Trek DS9, to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks, which just aired this week. I am Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in the Southland. We're both part of Uncanny Tracks. How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt? Doing all right. Uh, least dangerous game. Has that dun, dun, dun. scary sound to it. There's something danger in the air. <laughs> I don't know. Is, is there, Matt? The, the title would seem to suggest that there's not much. You're right, Bob. Putting least in front of dangerous makes it seem like there's not a lot of danger in the air. Huh. Da, da, da. <laughs> so this is uh, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 2, originally aired two days ago, the 1st of September, 2022. Uh, Matt, you want to walk us through that old A-plot there? Yeah, so in the A-plot, Ransom forces Mariner into space space elevator repair while sending engineers Billups and Rutherford on a diplomatic mission. Yeah, and then in the B-plot, following Tindy's advice, Boimler starts saying yes to everything, including being hunted by a predator knockoff named Cranch. And Cranch, of course, is just going to be like the uh, target of confusion here because I I was under the impression he may have already been in Star Trek at some point, but he wasn't. I was pretty sure he hadn't been, but I I wasn't totally sure. There was some lingering doubt. Yeah, I almost thought maybe he was on that animated series, and I just missed it somewhere. Like it just not as. Oh cool no, no, the okay. animated series. I mean, I guess they could have still done a hunter thing, but yeah, I mean, they would since it was like pre Predator, right? You know, they would have really had to have like Predatored it up from the animated series. And then I also thought maybe some obscure Voyager episode. Maybe. <laughs> like, well, we'll 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 get to that. We'll get to that. So, yeah. uh, I guess to start off, did you find the Martok videotape board game nostalgic or annoying? Uh, I never played a single VCR board game. Uh, I remember seeing advertisements for them in comic books that we read, but I never touched one. And I think they were may have been a, like a little before us, like our time. Like later I, I, eight. I'm gonna slightly, I'm gonna slightly disagree and say I think they were our time. I think maybe they were just a little more expensive, and also maybe even as dumb children, we kind of realized that it might not be the best game. Yeah, our parents were poor and would not buy us the Klingon Challenge Star Trek yeah, VCR yeah. board game. Yeah, and our our parents were school teachers, which is a solidly well, most, one of mine was, which is a solidly middle class uh, job in theory. But, they would just buy us a little plastic figurines, and we played with our plastic figurines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like you made the point in the note that um, it seems like it wouldn't have a lot of replayability of VCR game. Yeah, my understanding is like you play the board game, and when you land on a certain spot, you push play on the VCR, but doesn't the VCR have the same scenes over and over again? I think you would have to like that. You might like are supposed to like fast forward to a certain point. Either that, or like you have two up to two hours of footage, and you just you never rewind until. At least as the at least as this game is or this show is showing it, like the VCR is like very responsive to what they're doing. <laughs> but I guess it's entirely possible that in the crappy late '80s and the early '90s, the game you know whatever you hit you hit play for was a lot more generic. Yeah, what's strange too, Bob, is like I've never actually played a Star Trek board game, which is surprising because I have like I'm sitting in front of thirty or so odd board games on my shelf in here, and none of them are Star Trek. I've got one or two Star Wars. 
I mean, surely there are Star Trek board games, right? There are, but like my brother who owns, like he has an entire room just dedicated to board games. I mean, he has every board game that's, what do you, it's not a hoarder, but somebody who collects way too much. Um, what do you call those people? Uh, junkie, fanatic. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could say that. He's definitely like a board game fanatic. He has board games of, like, th- of properties he doesn't give two shits about. Doesn't have a single Star Trek game. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your brother's feelings on Star Trek? I mean, I don't know. He watched it when we were younger, and I mean, he's not in, he's not as into it. He, he'll watch Star yeah. Wars stuff, but Star Trek wasn't his jam. But still, like, he doesn't give two shits about X Men, okay? But he owns at yeah, least yeah. like five different X Men games. <laughs> like, it's, damn, he just I didn't realize collects, there were like, like five X Men board games. That's insane. Yeah, he, yeah. There's there's a ton of them, and uh, like he owns a bunch of like WWE related board games. He doesn't watch it, you know. He doesn't. Is it weird that I really? kind of don't want to play a Star Trek board game, but I kind of want to play an X-Men board game. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's more creative. There's the powers and the, you know, the there's different variations yeah. of things. It's just more colorful. Actually, I take, I take that back. I'd play a Star Trek board game, too. I just don't want to play a Star Wars board game. That's where I draw the line. Anyway, but I did have two different card games as kids. We had an original series card game, and I had a, uh, there was a next-gen card game. Both were very different. I remember different. the next-gen card game, but I don't remember the original series. I it was not. A, it, it wasn't very popular, but the the next gen one was. We used to get free cards all the time because they would shove them into those. Uh, remember when we go to the comic book store and you get comics and he had yeah. like a bag and he'd like shove like random ass yeah. shit that he was trying to get rid of into the bag. Was that Gordon or the guy at Dragons and Dreams or the guy Gordon. at the mall? Dra- guy at Dragons yeah. and Dreams would take your stuff. <laughs> he wouldn't give you anything. <laughs> I never went in there that much. I, I went into Gordon's and into uh, the guy at the mall more. Yeah, the uh, Gordon. Will, uh, Gordon was the guy who gave out free. He would give out free stuff. He was our comic book yeah. dealer. <laughs> R.I.P. to a king. He was yeah. uh, not treated well by uh, our city. No. All right. So yeah, but I never. I, I had two card games, and that was it. And honestly, I have not really looked too deep into like purchasing. They have a lot of RPG games. I will say that, but what yeah, these kids are yeah, playing are not really Dungeons there. and Dragons RPG shit. This is like videotape board game. And th- definitely that Star Trek Next Generation game was kind of like, as I remember, it was kind of like, it might have even predated the Star Wars card game, but it still was very much like second fiddle to it. And was just like, like it was almost like, it seems like in Rome, it was almost like hoping kids would get it instead of the Star Wars game yeah. <laughs> by mistake, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It looked a lot like it. Same yeah, concept totally. too. Uh, same uh, rules too. Similar rules. Was would it have been possible to merge the cards? Did we try? No, because there's too much. Was I too? Was I too much of a shitty purist, even as a child, to allow that? There's no way you could have, because there was this like stupid force system in the Star Wars game where you had to like the little lightsabers. Well, and you just make up one for the Star Trek cards. It's like the Federation values system, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just get a little sharpie and put it on there, and that'll look real good. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. How much do you how much do you believe in the ideals of the Federation, young sir? <laughs> You're gonna ruin the value of my cards, Bob. They're worth like a whole lot of nothing now. Man, yeah, you got out of you got out on the Star Wars game at the peak, right? You actually got a not like a lot of money, but a little bit of money for your Star Wars cards. Oh right? yeah, I sold them somewhere. I sold them to someone uh, overseas, somewhere in the Philippines. Damn, it made it made him pay that overseas shipping. That was the word. That was the thing I didn't realize. Yeah, I ended, I ended up sending it like as slow as possible. I hope the guy got it. This is probably back in the early two thousands. It's wild, man. I yeah. I just 
I did, this is off topic, but I just emailed my rent check to my landlord along with like two things that came in the mail for him and it was sent it media mail. The rent check in one of the mail things arrived, but like when the package got there, it had been opened and the other thing was gone. <laughs> well, Bob, yeah. you sent a media mail. What are you trying to do? Uh, trying to not, not spend more money than I have to, Matt. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Whenever, whenever you get a, in the rare instances when you get a present from old Bob, Matt, it arrives media mail. <laughs> Is that why I haven't gotten a present from you, Bob, in 12 years? <laughs> <laughs> but Matt, what, what, what do I get for the man who has everything? A, a, a black mercy is the only thing that comes to mind. <laughs> That's my excuse too, Bob. You haven't gotten a present from me because I sent a media mail every time. Just doesn't make it over there. I mean, I used to buy you novels, but then I realized you probably didn't want to read them, so I stopped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not that I don't want to. It's that I don't have time. One day, Bob, I'll have fair, time. Fair. I'll be old as fair. fuck and reading, but, but for right now, I'm... I'll yell at you from the nursing home room across the hall. <laughs> there you go. You know, we've been talking about games, and there's one game that they do play at the very beginning when Boimler decides that he's going to say yes to everybody, and he says yes to playing spring ball. And Spring Ball was a riff on uh, something from Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, uh, that O'Brien and Bashir played, where you basically, it's wall ball, but you hit a ball into an X. But we never actually saw them play it, right? We just saw them, like, in the equipment or whatever? No, we saw them. They weren't actually playing it, no, but they you, you see them in the room with the Xs and the oh. Uh, rackets. Oh, yeah, like, it's like they've paused to have a conversation. Right. Correct. Okay, and are we sure, did that start with O'Brien and Bashir on DS9, or was that maybe a next-gen thing before it was an O'Brien? It was O'Brien and Bashir from when I, the one I, the one time I remember seeing it, it was O'Brien and Bashir, but it's possible it was next-gen, I just never saw the episode. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that uh, comes up in Boimler's quest to say yes to everything is he, uh, because uh, Shax is so impressed by the tenor and quality of his screams, um, he invites him to join uh, as soprano for his Bajoran Dirge Choir, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, they keep diving into DS9, which makes me happy, but at the same time, I really want a cameo. You, you just begging for that cameo. I want a cameo. Yeah, That's and just... Coming. And not, not, not Odo. <laughs> to fact check myself, uh, I'm looking at uh, Memory Alpha. And yeah, it seems like Spring Ball was, in fact, only a DS9 thing. It's not a next-gen thing. Oh, must be Cardassian in nature. <laughs> well, just as uh, Bradward honors the prophets with that pitch, um, you honor the prophets with that memory, Matt. Yes. I'm so glad that I know what the fictional game that two fictional characters are playing on a fictional space station 20 years yes. ago. And you you, you, <laughs> you honor fictional wormhole aliens in, in that knowledge. So, do you remember Chief Lundy? Uh, no. And I is he supposed was he supposed to be like an ongoing joke or something? I didn't I didn't catch on. Anytime I hear the name Lundy, I immediately think of Agent Frank Lundy from Dexter. That's about <laughs> Which it. Which one is Frank Lundy from That Dexter? was uh the FBI agent that came in during comes in to hunt the Bay Harbor butcher. In season two. Is it okay that season who played him, do you remember? Oh jeez. I was gonna look that up and then I didn't. <laughs> well. Um so I I guess he is the I guess Lundy is the transporter chief and we have definitely seen him before. Keith Carradine is Frank Lundy, by the way. Oh there you go, Bob. Um, thanks. We 
but we have seen him before but i don't remember him being a creep being like a running gag maybe maybe it was and i'm just not remembering it but i don't remember him being a creep being a running gag yeah i was super confused by his appearance i thought i was maybe i was supposed to know who he was but it didn't happen yeah yeah we also get a pretty profound statement from uh, commander ransom that starfleet isn't all about being fed fruit by exotic aliens with slightly different nose ridges Right. Isn't this like a meme, right? Meme master, tell me. Is this something? Uh, definitely similar memes have been made. I don't know if those particular words have been memed, but very similar words have been uh, memed. And I actually, oh man, I, I, mess, I messed that up and made it kind of slightly racist. It's uh, being fed fruit by erotic aliens with slightly different uh, nose ridges. <laughs> I feel bad. Not exotic, Bob. Erotic aliens. No, erotic erotic very 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 uh, different so you had you had some thoughts on some of the the predecessors for Karanch besides uh, the predator right because boiler won't say no he refuses to say no to anything so of course he'll, he agrees to be prey for Karanch uh, this species I, I mean it's like predator and that tosk dude from ds9 like we skipped the episode i can't remember what it was yeah. called i remember tosk uh probably called like hunted or hunter or something yeah. like that but uh, it also, there's a little bit of the Herogen mixed in there, like the way it yeah. sounds and the, the face. So. Yeah, although the, the Herogen are like a straight predator knockoff anyway. Right, yeah. This, like yeah. the Tosk dude, the Tosk dude a little less so. Well, and I guess to be fair, the Tosk is the prey species. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. No, you're, 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 you're right about those. And I think, because I think what felt a little weird about Cranch is just how the show has kind of trained you to think that everything is a Star Trek reference. Right. But in terms of continuity, Cranch can't be a, a reference because the Tosk and the species that hunt Tosk are from the Gamma Quadrant and the Herogen are from the Delta Quadrant. And so they can't be in the Alpha Quadrant in this time frame, right? Right. And so they just went with something that's kind of generically similar instead of a straight, instead of a straight reference. And I think maybe that was the source of our confusion. And that is one thing I have to say about Lower Decks is that last episode, each, you know, every scene was just filled with Easter eggs. It was like a damn Easter egg hunt, okay? The whole thing. But then they go to this episode, and yes, there are Easter eggs, but they're scattered about, but there's also new things introduced, like this like this character. It, it almost makes you feel a little cheated because it's not something that, you know, like you were saying, you know, you kind of you come to almost expect it. And I, I had the same problem in the last season. I don't remember. It may have been the first couple episodes. You know, the first episode was super strong with its amount of Easter eggs, but then they pull away from it. And we're going through that point again with this season. There, 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 there's less Easter eggs, but then we're going to get another amazing episode. It's going to have all these Easter eggs, and I'm going to be fulfilled. But then it's just... <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And I mean, and it's I not like really criticism. Show, um, it's just it's just yeah. how, it's, how the storytelling works. It's... It's well, weird. And, and like I said, I, I wasn't necessarily going to criticize it because like I like this show a lot, but I do think it does point to like a limitation of this kind of like reference style comedy, right? Right. You can't just keep making references nonstop all the time, but our brain, yeah. our brains want that because that's what we 
you know, had yeah. as a kid. And, you know, and, may, like, and maybe, it, and maybe especially because we're like thinking about it for a show, like probably we're more susceptible to that than even the average viewer. Exactly. We um, see stuff and like the dopamine just starts pumping through your brain, you know, like, oh yeah, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, we can write that in the, in the notes, talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe maybe other people don't feel as mixed about it, but I, it is kind of unfortunate that this is a kind of style that is going to, in a lot of ways, prevent Lower Decks from doing anything new, or if it does something new, it's going to maybe make me not like it as much. And that's a little unfortunate. One thing they did, like, they have a, a character in this episode that comes back, uh, Billups. And the the last real episode I remember Billups in, I mean, he may have made some minor appearances, but we go back to his yeah, home yeah. world where he's like, uh, that I mean, was... he's been a, re- he's been a regular feature, but only, he, he was really only focused on in that, that one episode you're talking about. Yeah. Which is like the Renaissance one, right? Where they go back and, uh, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, from planet, planet. Fair where he's like royalty or something. And the whole, po- the whole point of the joke with him is that he's asexual, right? Well, I mean, you could have read that episode as him being asexual, but I also think it was, like, him just not wanting to be, like, tied into his royal responsibilities. And cause, and didn't at some point, I don't remember the episode that well, but didn't at some point he wound up having a threesome with a guy and a girl and it was kind of fun for him? I, I don't think he, I don't remember he had fun or not. I don't remember that part. I'm just saying there's, there's been an or there was an argument about it on the internet and I thought, huh, that's actually very interesting because I do remember Billups not being all into the women that were throwing themselves at him on his home world. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to rewatch the episode to settle it, but my memory of it is that you could have read it as he was asexual maybe, or you could have read it as just, he specifically knew that like sex in his culture would carry certain responsibilities and he was trying to avoid it. Well, on this episode, at least, he, he's definitely ready to bone. He's very excited to be on this planet of uh, Star Trek next-gen naked people. <laughs> <laughs> Would uh, Billups versus Morgo or Billups versus the Volcano have been a better alternative episode title for this? I like Billups versus the Volcano. That sounds really good. Yeah, well, I was, I was you know, trying to put you back in fond nostalgia of Tom Hanks and Joe versus the volcano. Yeah. yeah, I've seen, I've seen Joe versus the volcano, Bob. It's good. Yeah, no, it's one, one, I would say one of the only two good Tom Hanks movies. I would say like Forrest Gump, Bob. No, no, just that and Dragnet, Matt. That's a Da Vinci code. Fuck no. Damn. I just got us an Apollo 13. No. No. Castaway. No, no, God, no. Joe versus the volcano and Dragnet. Those are the two good Tom Hanks performances. Actually, there is a third Bosom Buddies. Lady Killers. Well, I don't even yeah. know what Bosom Buddies is. <laughs> but you should Google La- it. Lady Killers Lady Killers is good. It's the worst Cohen Brothers movie, but it's still fun. And that sounds fun, Bob, but did there was something even more fun about Crunch. What was your what did you like about Yeah, Crunch, man, Bob? he's got a, he's got a great selfie stick game. Uh, uh tourists should really uh, take note from Crunch's selfie stick game. Yeah, that shit's like pretty badass. It looked like a weapon, but you you saw that coming though, right? Didn't you? When he pulled it out, you knew he wasn't about to brand. He wasn't about to brand Boimler. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, what I I mean, I saw the whole thing coming because the episode is entitled "The Least Dangerous <laughs> Game." I mean, not not that's not a criticism. Of it. it was still very a very amusing uh, playing out of it, but yeah. It, it, kind of telegraphs it for you right from the start, right? You now, didn't maybe think Boimler if I was going to die, Bob? 
I, I, I mean, I, I hoped, I fantasized, I might have even uh, pleasured myself to the idea, but no, no, I didn't. I didn't think Boimler was going to die in this hunt, Matt. I will say the scene of him oh. getting impaled by the spear is awesome. Like that, that yeah, is yeah. hilarious. It's great. I also, I did really enjoy, even though you know it's clearly because it's the hunt is not as serious as Boimler thinks. I really did enjoy uh, Captain Freeman's disinterest in the hunt. That was great. So we on uh, you know on Billups versus the volcano, we have the uh, we have a tripartite system of government on this planet, right? So we have a sentient volcano, a telepathic baby, and an evil computer. So clearly, this is meant to be an allegory of the U.S. government, right? Where the volcano, the sentient volcano, is the Supreme Court, the president is the telepathic baby, and Congress is the evil computer. That is correct, Bob. It's a perfect system of checks and balances. So perfect, it means climate change is going to kill us all, Matt. <laughs> and so I, I, I guess we could go ahead and uh, transition into uh, character of the week. I will say, like, at first, I was not digging the whole Martok video game gag. Like, I don't know if it's because I lack nostalgia for those things or if I felt like it was maybe cheapening Martok a little or a little too, it was a little too childish. I don't know. But the final joke that Martok makes in that game is the bartender rips off your arm and beats you to death with it. Since it was by your own hand, technically, it's not an honorable death. And that <laughs> cracked me the hell up. And I'll go ahead and make uh, Martok my character of the week because of it. All right. I'll go ahead and make my character of the week, Bob, someone we haven't really mentioned much, but it's Mariner. Mariner learns a lot of lessons this week, Matt. She does, but primarily because she had to climb all those stairs. I felt bad for her. That was a really good gag. We should have mentioned that gag. It was a, it was a great gag. Yeah, the, sta the Stairmaster from Hell in a Space Elevator. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, man. Well, Lower Decks still, you know, not, not as good as last week probably, but still going strong. Uh, delighted to be covering it here on Uncanny Treks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in the Southland. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening.